0: So, you know, I think dinner is one of the most important meals to focus on because even with a crazy schedule where you don't necessarily know where you're eating, it's usually the opportunity where it's like the, the meal of the day that you have the most control over in terms of what you're actually eating. You know, you're, you're back at your house, so you're able to, to have a little bit more um, control over what those foods actually are. So, I think it's really important to focus on that. I think the, the biggest thing to do here is, is to just prepare well. Um, whether that's having a uh, you know the, a meal prep service or you know or just having good foods in the house. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host Nate and Brian, hanging out with you on this Monday morning. And this time, we are bringing a little bit of the health into your life. That's right. We're going to be breaking down the keto diet and many other things like that, and we are putting into your passenger seat a new guest, Chris Irvin, and we're super excited to talk to him today about many of the things dealing with our diets and how to live a healthier life. But as we always do, we're going to be breaking this down ourselves first for you, and with that, Brian, let's hear a quote. It's so
2: logical and so simple. Fat is the backup fuel system of the body. The role it plays in the body is that when there are no carbohydrates around, fat will become the primary energy fuel. That is pretty well known.
1: Dr. Robert Atkins. Uh, yes, the Atkins diet. The original, the OG, as they would say.
2: Yeah, Atkins was the, the precursor to the keto diet, and then now what's known as the, the carnivore diet, which is a little bit different, but uh, all, all good diets and fun stuff and and while we should put a disclaimer on this episode for sure, we, um, I myself, and a am a big fan of the keto carnivore and Atkins diet, so to speak. Um, currently, currently doing a carnivore diet, and my doctor, Doctor Rawl, who's uh, actually a fan of the show now, thankfully, is um, is a big fan of this this way of eating, and is is fully supportive of me doing this, but we would definitely want to say before starting any kind of big transformational diet like this, uh, certainly consult your physician and make sure that it's something that is healthy for you. Um, And as well, that there are people who, including very fit people and very healthy people who are not fans of this way of eating, and we absolutely plan on having some of those people on to, to discuss the counterpoint. Points to this way of eating, um, but I'll be very unfriendly because I'm a huge fan of this way of eating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a little bit like uh, on, on the the hot seat there for those guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, th- listen, this is this is a, a an important topic, and while it's a little bit of a divergence from you know our traditional like in the trade specific to the trades things, we find it to be an extremely relevant topic because. Unfortunately, the home services trades probably isn't well known for healthy lifestyle employees. Sorry, if you're one of those very disciplined persons who is you know, living it the way that it should be done, uh, we appreciate you.
2: Oh, yeah, we got I mean, we have some some techs here who are extremely healthy and may, maybe even some that are walk around looking like uh, professional
1: bodybuilders or models, Jason Zinzer. Right. And that's um, just more than Brian and me too. So. <laughs> but what we what we want to be focusing on is is regardless of that, listen, there's always ways to improve your health, to improve your life. And unfortunately, in the industry that we're in, there tends to be long hours. There tends to be irregular eating habits or weird times of the day that you're eating. And it changes from day to day to week to week, this even season to season. Uh, and so there's many things like that that can affect your health. And at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure that you have heard many stories of how backs have given out, knees have given out, bodies have broken down. And listen, eating right may not prevent all those things, but it is one step in the right direction towards longer lasting healthy years.
2: Yeah. And I, and I would like to say, as Nate struggles to say it, not coming from the field himself, but I came from the field. I apprenticed as a plumber. I moved into a new construction apprentice. I did new construction plumbing, residential. I became a full-time service plumber. Um, I've been through you know I've done com- some commercial, mostly like commercial but some commercial work. I've been in most facets of at least the plumbing world and by and large, I mean I've, I feel like most plumbers know this We are we're an unhealthy breed. We are a group that eats too much junk food, does not sleep enough, overly stressed, does not exercise um, it's a it's a high stress. It's a lot of hours. It's a t- taxing job, and we tend to de-stress by eating stuff we shouldn't eat and drinking sugary drinks. And um, I want to say that exercise being a huge component of it as well, but even without it, just to, to stay, take a step in the right direction to, to being healthier and having less aches and pains in a truck and popping out of bed in the morning and just feeling overall healthier and smarter. One way that I know you can absolutely do it as I started doing this in 2012, which was long after I got into my own truck is, is the ketogenic or carnivore diet. It's, it it absolutely works. It's a matter of, is it, is it healthy for you? Disclaimer there, Um, which is something you would ask your physician about, but I am a huge fan of it. And I think that it would do so much for so many people in our world, uh, the service tech world in plumbing HVAC and electrical that I just felt like we had to get somebody on to talk about it. Who, who is an expert and this Chris, Chris Irving, our guest today is certainly an ex- expert on the uh, subject.
1: All right. So if you're driving around right now and you look down in your passenger seat or beside your seat there and you see something that uh, makes a when you open it uh, for a drink and you see something that has the word tasty in it uh, for your snack, this episode might be for you. Uh, we're not looking to, you know, force the end of anything. We're simply saying, hey, y'all, uh, we're not getting any younger here. And there sure could be some potential better ways of living our life, feeling better at the end of the day uh, and, and feeling more invigorated and energetic even during the day when you're dealing with your customers. Nobody wants to be hangry. Nobody wants a hangry technician in their home. And uh, this could be part of the way of making that change for you into that better and healthier lifestyle.
2: And, and we want to keep it simple. Like there there are plenty of things you can eat on this way of eating that, and that will keep you full and satiated. It's not, it's literally not about eating less necessarily. It's just about eating the right foods. And these are foods that are enjoyable. I mean, there's, there's no better food on this planet to me that I can think of right now than a ribeye steak with all its juicy fat and just marbled. Mm, and, so good, you know, wagyu. Let's get out of here, buddy. Wagyu. Let's, get, let's roll. <laughs> let's go eat. <laughs> there, there's nothing better on the planet, in my opinion, than a nice juicy cut of steak with marbled fat in it. Um, but meat in general, just anything that that's animal is good to go on this diet so meat in terms of cow chicken eggs fish whatever just go nuts but but easy on the sugar eliminate the sugar the bread the soda the uh, turkey hill iced tea which is a big hit around here for some insane reason Mm, it's like so good sugar and brown number three i don't (laughs) even think there's water in it (laughs) it's just food coloring and sugar
1: Oh, Brian, you're hit. You're hitting me close to the heart here. <laughs> that's more around the gut area, actually. Oh, that is that's <laughs> very uncalled for at this point. All right, guess uh, guess who's going to be getting some clever editing on the end of this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Brian <laughs> couldn't make it today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you who can make it today, and that is our guest, Chris Irvin. We're going to be putting him into your passenger seat right now. Our guest today is Chris Irvin. He is a nutrition researcher, writer, and educator specializing in the low carb diet for health and human performance. Chris is the author of Keto Answers and is known on social media as the Ketologist. Welcome to the show, Chris.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on today, guys. Very excited.
2: Yeah, great to have you on. I've been uh, I've been a recipient of the Perfect Keto newsletter for uh, I don't really know how long. But what what is your role at Perfect Keto?
0: Yeah, so uh, my my official role is education manager, um, and that's kind of been my title since I started working at the company uh, just about three years ago now. Um, but I've done a lot of different things. So when I when I first started with the company, um, I was doing a lot of like writing and content development, and then uh, from there I got moved into more marketing and was helping with uh, you know customer education. And then from there, I moved into um, employee education. So putting together resources for our employees on, you know, how to how to use the products, what the science says about the products. Um, and then I moved into compliance and, and did some work in the compliance department. Um, and then I, from there, moved into product development and and helped with some product formulation. And then uh, now, kind of full circle back back to uh, the content development side of things and, and doing a lot of video production um and then also running our podcast that we just relaunched as well um a couple weeks ago so that's kind of been the the focus now which you know my strength is definitely in in content creation so i'm happy to be back in that but it was nice to get to experience a lot of those different places or those different you know areas of of the business that i didn't have any formal training in so that was cool
1: yeah right on man so i gotta ask you um how did you get into this whole gig? Because I don't think I've ever met a child who said, when I grow up, I'd like
0: to be in the diet industry. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, um, you know, I, I think my interest in nutrition, uh, stems back to when I was, uh, first going to undergrad, I was studying biology and exercise science and I played, um, basketball and baseball in my undergrad. And, um, you know, my first, first nutrition class as a freshman was kind of a, an eye-opening for me that what you put in your body can can play a big role in you know at the time it was more I was more focused on performance so it's like what I put in my body will affect the way I perform on the court it'll you know affect my ability to recover from games and things like that so that was kind of my my kind of first just interest in general with it Um, but when I graduated from undergrad I was still more focused on like the exercise science side of things I was you know planning on going into strength and conditioning um, and then after about a year working in strength and conditioning, I started getting, you know, just catching the bug on nutrition a little bit more. I had a couple friends who were doing some of the, the physique and bodybuilding competitions and, um, kind of as a bet with somebody, I, I ended up entering one of those competitions myself, uh, which was a huge regret looking back on it would, would probably never do it again or definitely would never do it again. Um, but, but it definitely opened up my eyes to, you know, just nutrition and the role that it plays even more in And at that point, I really started to develop a passion for it. Uh, So I I decided to go back to school to get my master's in nutrition science. And that was actually where I was was first introduced to the keto diet as well was, you know, my very first uh, graduate school nutrition class. It was a sports nutrition course. And we covered the ketogenic diet for endurance performance, which, um, you know, that's that's kind of an anomaly. There's not many, you know, I get questions all the time, you know, if I want to go continuing education and learn about you know, keto and and fasting and all these things. Where can I go? And there's really not a lot of schools doing that. So it was, um, you know, kind of, a it almost just felt like fate for me to end up at a school that where I, you know, learned something like that. And, um, from that first class hearing about keto, I I jumped right on the diet the next day. I was like, you know, this is something new. I've never heard of it. I want to try it. So I tried it and then there's kind of no looking back from there.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, hey, yeah. I, uh, I'm going to guess that a lot of our listeners have heard the term keto or maybe have seen it in the grocery store or aisle or something mm-hmm. like that, but that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that they understand it or that we know what it's all about. So can you even start off by giving us a basic understanding of what is keto? Is it, is it a thing? Is it a concept? Is it a, a diet platform? What is it?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question because when I first got into this space about six years ago, um, it was a lot more clear what keto was and, and now with like the industry getting involved and, um, there being, you know, a lot of opportunities to make money in this space, it's, the has got a little bit convoluted. So when you, when you say um, the industry, say that again,
2: you, you said w- with the industry getting involved, what industry do you mean?
0: Uh, the, the food industry primarily. Okay. So, and, and you know, and I, and I work in the food industry as well. Um, but now we, we've started to see a lot of the big food has gotten involved, you know, the general mills and, and the companies like that who have started to get involved in this keto space. And it's really, it's really, you know, made the message a lot tougher. Like what actually is keto? Um, so, is this, you know, what uh, uh,
2: this, is this, the, the companies putting zero carbs on the label because they remove sugar and then add a bunch of dextrose, which trashes your insulin level anyway.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically the way that mainstream has started looking at keto is that it's low low net carbs that's really but any, what anybody's paying attention to if you if you flip the product over and it's low net carbs then that means it's keto and and you know no need to look any further into anything and it's unfortunate that it's become that way and, and it's really it's kind of made people think that keto is this like specific one-size fits all diet it's all about carbs um, but really i think the the most basic definition of keto is that a ketogenic diet is a low carb diet and it's low carb to the degree that it induces a state of ketosis. And, and you know, we can go into that a little bit if we want to talk about what that means from a, you know, a science angle. Um, but ketosis is just a metabolic state where we're burning fat and some of that fat is being converted into these ketone molecules, which is basically just a, another energy source for our bodies. Just like we get energy from carbohydrates and we get energy from fat, um, ketones are the separate energy source. Um, that they have, they're very unique in, in the sense that they're, they're signaling molecules. They do a lot of different things, um, in our bodies that other energy sources don't do. So, you know, fundamentally a, a ketogenic diet is a diet that is just it induces a state of ketosis. Now, you know, for people who have, you know, if you go look that up right now, you'll kind of see traditional recommendations of keto is this macronutrient breakdown. It's, you know, 25% protein, 70% fat, 5% carbs. Um, and, and I really don't like looking at it this way. You know, this approach can be effective for a lot of people and, and no doubt that approach will get you into a state of ketosis. Um, but it kind of just ignores the concept of personalized nutrition and that we, we have to adjust our diets according to our goals and our current state of health and things like that. So um, it, it's a lot more complicated than that. But I think when you break it down simply a low carb diet that induces a state of ketosis.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Cause I was getting a little lost at the, even though I I've done it twice a year, at least for, uh, well, since 2011, I was getting a little oh, lost, wow.
0: but yeah, my, you've been uh, doing it for longer than me. <laughs> hey, hey, I knew yeah. all
1: about the metachlorians from star Wars, man. So I was right <laughs> with you on that. Thing. <laughs> I was going to say, if Nate
2: here, my, my analyst friend and co-host, were to do uh, keto, he would have every macronutrient broken down and his diet (laughs) on on point (laughs) me. Um, I mean, I'm actually doing more carnivore anymore than, than keto because I just, I know if I go get a ribeye, I don't have to worry about what's been added to it. And I'm going to get my fats. I'm going to get my protein. I'm going to feel satiated. I'm going to, I'm going to put a hurting on some weights at the gym the next morning. I mean, I, it's just, for me, it's a very more, um, broad view. I'm not a detail guy. So like, having to count calories and macronutrients is a, man, it's a lot of work for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the carnivore approach as well. Um, and, and you know, on top of that, you talk about getting in like your, your protein and your fat and everything, but it's also the nutrient side of things. And I feel like a lot of, you know, this, this space has gotten so confused, the nutrition space that is, has gotten so confused about meat and, and nutrients and, we like to look at foods and look at, you know, how many nutrients are in them. And, and we fail to look at whether or not we can actually absorb the nutrients that are in those foods. And when it comes to meat, you know, meat is not only one of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet, but for our digestive systems as humans, um, we are able to absorb nutrients from meat far better than we can from plants. So, you know, that's the other side too. Like, so what, you know, if I, even if I'm not eating carnivore, when I'm putting together a meal, you know, I really look at the protein and the meat as being the most important part. Like, I may have vegetables on the side, but really not with the intent of like, oh, I'm going to be getting a lot of nutrients from these vegetables, um, because really, you know, 95% of the nutrients are going to be coming from that meat. So, the, the carnivore approach is is um, you know something that is it's really exciting, not just from you know that side of things, what it's what's providing for your diet from a nutrient standpoint, but also all of the people that are seeing success with autoimmune conditions and digestive issues and all these things. So. Yeah, I'm a big carnivore guy as well.
2: If if you throw vegetables on the plate, which I don't condone, first off, let me just put that out. Yeah, there. hey, whatever we can do to <laughs> eliminate broccoli, I'm down. With that. But it, if you do that and it's not for the nutrients, is that for the fiber?
0: Well, you know, it's that's a tough one too because we've been told for a long. I remember my first nutrition course; it was you know, fiber is one of the most underconsumed nutrients, and you know the. Uh, you know, the governing bodies for nutrition say that we need to be getting in, I, I forget what it was at the time, 25 to 35 grams a day and anything less than that puts you at a risk of X, Y, Z disease. And then you, you go look at the literature and you see that there's really nothing to support that. Um, and, and that's not to say that fiber doesn't, you know, provide any benefit, but what we do know is that there's a lot of cases where people cut fiber out and they see incredible improvements with their digestive systems. Um, if, if they have a digestive issue or in some t- for people who don't have underlying digestive issues, they, they don't develop problems when they cut out fiber. So, you know, I'm not really sold that fiber is essential. Um, you know, I think that if, if you're incorporating vegetables, like the way I always look at it, it's like, it's kind of just more bulk like it's, you know, it, for my eating with my wife, having dinner at night. Um, you know, if it was just me, I would just have a steak and that would be enough, but that had probably be a little bit boring for her. So if for her throwing some asparagus on the side kind of keeps it, uh, you know, a little bit more entertaining than, then we'll do that. But if I'm eating by myself, you know, I'm, I'm not, never really concerned about fiber or, uh, you know, getting actual nutrients from plants or anything like that.
2: We were, uh, we were fortunate enough to go out to a nice lunch yesterday, Nate and I, with the rest of the management team here, the, the, uh, five of us. And, mm-hmm. uh, I ordered a filet and was kind of looking at the menu. Like what, what kind of side can I get? You know, those things are pretty tiny. They don't have ribeye there. So, yeah. um, and the, uh, suggested some bacon so they had fries i had bacon on the side
0: <laughs> nate looked right over at my plate and said
2: man going with that next
1: time. absolutely
0: <laughs> yeah take, take the bacon over fries any day <laughs> yeah i do
2: you know I, I chug 32 ounces of water in the morning 16 when i wake up and then 16 before i leave for the gym and i'll tell you never i never think to myself i need more fiber right <laughs> everything just seems to work fine yeah, Could
1: you go into more detail easy. there, Brian? I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm following you. <laughs> off, the mic, off the mic, Nate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, it, it's true, though. I mean, I think that we, we always have this assumption that if we cut fiber out, that we're, you know, it, it's kind of the sexy thing to say, right? Like, oh, you need fiber. Like, that's you, you have to eat your leafy green vegetables. And even in the keto space, um, even, admittedly for myself, that was something I preached a lot at the very beginning when I didn't have a great understanding yet of, uh, just the, the research and what was available out there is like, Oh, if you're having an issue with keto, that's probably because you're not eating enough leafy green vegetables and getting enough fiber in your diet. So, you know, it's really important for you to, to do that. And then, you know, over the course of a couple of years and you start reading the research and you start seeing okay, well not much evidence to support that. But then, you know, even in research, you have to realize that not everything in research, uh, kind of plays out when you look at like an actual person living in a real life situation. So then it's like, all right, let's, let's talk to people who aren't eating much fiber. And and around that time when I kind of started making this realization was when carnivore started picking up some steam and I was super skeptical at first because I was still kind of on that. Well, you know, I know the research doesn't say it, but man, a lot of, you know, that kind of what I was taught in school is that we, we got to focus on fiber. And then you start talking to these people who have been doing carnivore for six months, a year, two years, and even longer and no issues, you know, and, and they, they're not having digestive issues or they're still having regular bowel movements. Um, you know, if it, they're, they've been on the diet long enough that they were going to have a problem. It would have manifested by now. And then that's when it was kind of like, all right, well maybe let me give this a try for myself. I, I love self-experimenting and we'll see what happens. And, you know, gave it a try. And, and I think a lot of times when you start a carnivore diet and you cut out fiber, um, your digestive system may go through a little bit of a shift where you might not be super regular at the beginning, or you might not be, you know, having bowel movements that are what you were used to. Um, But then after, you know, a week or two of doing that, you you get back to a normal schedule with it and you feel great. And and, then honestly, for people who deal with digestive issues, you end up feeling a lot better. So um, it's very counterintuitive to what we've been told for a long time. But, you know, that's kind of the MO with carnivore and keto in general, is that a lot of it is counterintuitive to what a lot of dietitians and nutritionists and even doctors think.
2: Yeah, I watched a, a great documentary that it ended up being one that I I gave to my whole extended family who, you know, people who live in different states. And uh, this, I've been pushing this since 2011 on, you know, all, all of my family, a, a lot of uh, whom are overweight. And we ended up putting a, a text group together called Keto. And I don't know, 15 people went really hard in it as a result of this documentary and nice I mean there were, there were I have family members who lost over a hundred pounds over the course of a year as a result of this diet in in this chat group that we we still just post pictures of our you know steak and bacon <laughs> right dish like yesterday or, or what have you but and I don't know if you've seen this one or, or condone it or if it's good info but what they what they showed was they just really went hard on you know big foods, "Quote unquote scientific data and how it was really trying to crush anybody who was really hyping up a uh, ketogenic or carnivore diet." The the documentary it was largely in Australia. The documentary is called "The Magic Pill."
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Or was it was it Australia or New Zealand?
0: I think it was Australia. You no, know, I don't. Was Australia? Yeah, okay, I don't know where it was was filmed at, but yeah, that was that 2011 when that came out. That sounds about right.
2: I I didn't catch it until about 2017, but man. I was going to
0: say, that's when, yeah, I think it came out a little bit later than that, because that's about when I think I watched it, was 2016 or 2017.
2: And I'll I'll recommend it again. It's one of those documentaries that grabs you from the beginning, and it shows so Mm -hmm. many different aspects of health that are impacted by uh, high-processed food and sugar diets, Um, like kids with severe severe uh even emotional issues who get on this way of eating and and they they get better they just start healing um even Mm -hmm. with some aboriginal tribes who have been who've been given like wheat some kind of i don't even know what it is just looks so disgusting but by the government and they get them back to eating like fish and you know meat and, and they immediately like stop taking diabetes medication and their asthma goes away and they can like dance again and it's it's a pretty eye-opening documentary that I really uh, recommend everybody check out, The Magic Pill. Um, do you have Totally. Any- I mean,
0: oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you, you you hear stuff like that, and it's like, you know, you get all these people who have concerns about the high-fat nature of the diet and that, you know, you're going to get heart disease and all of this stuff, which, you know, if I think that would be a great thing to touch on at some point in, in this episode. But then you hear these stories where it's like, if you're losing weight and you're improving, you know, diabetic markers And you know all these things like there's it's very difficult to think that anything you're doing that allows you to do that is going to be unhealthy for you. You know we know that obesity is a you know a huge predictor of a lot of chronic diseases, um, including the the ones that we're facing today. Obesity is a it plays a big role in your ability to you know fight off viral infections like COVID that is you know obviously is is a big deal right now. Um, And same thing with with diabetes and and it's you know when you look at research and you look in in real life and you see people who go on this diet, and they lose 100 pounds, like you're saying with your family, it's like they have improved their life expectancy, and, and not just their life expectancy, but their quality of life, which is going to further contribute to their life expectancy dramatically. And, and the fact that you, we could have anybody who would sit here and listen to that and, and see that and say, oh, that that's unhealthy for you, because conventional medicine has suggested that we shouldn't eat this way is just crazy. And it, it kind of just shows you how dogmatic the nutrition space is. Um, and, and just to make a couple recommendations for people who, because you kind of touched on the industry side of things and what big food, um, ha- has done for this, a couple of really good books that talk about this, uh, is food Fix by Mark Hyman, um, metabolical by, uh, Dr. Robert Lustig and then, uh, curable by Travis Christofferson are, are three really good books that will kind of just highlight the role that, you know, just how, and also I guess I should say big fat surprise by Nina Teicholz is another great one that, kind of just tells the narrative of like how we got to where we are like why do we have low fat recommendations despite the fact that research doesn't support that and actually it kind of shows that this is bad for us to do it this way you know why does does the uh american diabetics association why won't they admit that sugar is causing diabetes you know why is it you know there's there's so many things at play and there's the industry ties and the the pharmaceutical companies um that are kind of convoluting research and and all these things. So those are some really great resources for people who, you know, want to put the tinfoil hat on and and kind of get behind the conspiracy part of this stuff. So just a recommendation for anybody who's curious about it. Let's
2: let's throw keto answers and the carnivore reset out there while we're on, on the topic. Yeah. Yes,
0: please do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What is, what is, uh, and those are, uh, well, I'll pause right here and just tell you that will be part of our introduction, but also at the end, we will uh, give you the opportunity to tell us where to find you. Oh, cool. Thank you. What is mommy? Do I have to eat this?
0: <laughs> yeah. So that was a, uh, it's a children's book, um, that it really stems during, it was COVID, uh, last year. I, me and my wife, we were living in Austin and we were coming back to the, uh, Tampa Bay area, uh, where my wife is originally from, from, we were planning on moving back here and we had a house that we were moving into and, uh, kind of just had a disaster, uh, with it. It was a renovated home that, um, essentially the, when they renovated the home, they didn't file any permits uh, and they had to do all these after the fact permitting. And we ended up, you know, having to, you know, we didn't have a place to stay. So we were staying with my in-laws for a little bit. And then we went back up to uh, where I'm from in Illinois and stayed with my family for, uh, just about two months. I think we were up there. And, uh, and I have a little niece up there who is, uh, just, I have a, a few nieces up there, but, uh, one of my nieces, um, she's a little bit older and she's really starting to get into, you know, writing and creativity. And, and so just decided to, with the lockdowns and everything, for us to pursue a little project and, and put something together. So we, we put that to the book together with the idea that we wanted to create something, um, that would make eating healthier appear uh, just more appealing to kids, like to kind of, you know, and we, I think a lot of times we tell our children, like, eat this because it's good for you, and don't eat that because it's bad for you, um, but that doesn't really resonate with the little kid, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the age now where, um, you know, I'm about to have my first first baby, and I have a lot of friends who are starting to have kids, and um, kids who are getting to the age of uh, really starting to push back on on what, what they want to eat and what they don't want to eat, so the idea here was just to kind of make a, a fun little book that would help uh, you know, uh, that a parent could read to their kid and, and get them excited about why they should eat meat and, and, you know, why they should eat healthier foods and why they shouldn't eat, you know, the junk foods that are, are really pushed upon our kids, um, both in the school systems and, and with food marketing and all of those things. So it's kind of a little fun passion project, uh, just a way for me to, you know, do something with my niece and kind of get her involved in, in this concept of, of eating better and helping people. Oh, Very cool.
1: Now, Chris, uh, I want to kind of set something up for you here. So our podcast is specifically devoted to the in-home services industry. So we're typically Mm -hmm. dealing with plumbers, electricians, HVAC techs, uh, and then all the office staff that supports um, those types of endeavors. So Mm -hmm. I want to start in the field side first, because if you want to talk about um, some unhealthy lifestyles predicated on career choice, uh, we're definitely up there. Mm-hmm. So a typical day for a, a technician, plumber, electrician in the field, they're probably waking up, uh, you know, fairly early, um, probably not grabbing breakfast, uh, driving to a shop, <clears throat> you know, loading up their truck and all that. They may have some meetings, those types of things. And then it's on the road the rest of the day, going in and out of houses uh, I, I know a lot of guys don't pack lunches, so they're hitting food stops on the way or, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're stopping at the, the gas station stores and hitting all the convenience food and all that stuff. And then you have the whole schedule issue, which is, uh, you know, where where they're on call or, or they're working late. And so they're never sure when they're getting home, which means that everything in the evening gets ba- pushed back and they're not sure when they're going to get to bed, probably getting less sleep than they really should be getting and just generally mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of the stress of the customer service industry. So mm-hmm. that being set up like that, how does keto or dieting in general play into that type of environment and, and give us some ideas as to how we can make this healthy?
0: Yeah, that's, that's um, you know, I think the biggest thing here with keto is the convenience side of it for somebody who's in that situation. So, you know, it seems like I forget what the the number is, but it's like, you know over 70% of people are dieting at a given time, and, and if you consider that, you probably figure that a lot of people in that space are also probably, you know, ha- have some desire to get healthier or to lose weight or, you know, are, are trying different diets. And a lot of times, if you're kind of doing it to no avail, or, or you run into these things where, you know, yeah, I was on this diet and I wanted to eat healthy, but I didn't have time to, to pack a lunch or I didn't have time to go. Um, to a, a healthy place to pick up lunch, I had to stop at the gas station or a fast food place or, or anything like that. So what keto really does is it's kind of like, you know, there's, and I guess I should start this off by saying there are definitely different versions of keto diet. So you hear about like there's dirty keto and there's clean keto. Um, and, and really the difference here is it's kind of in the food quality. So obviously like a clean keto diet, that's like, you know, you're not really having much fast food. You're not having a lot of processed food. Um, that's prob, you know, that's probably the most optimal way to do this diet. Um, but also what's going to be probably a little bit more time consuming, uh, a little bit harder, uh, for somebody who is is kind of living that schedule that you just broke down. And then you talk about this keto, this, this dirty keto diet where, which is just, it's far simpler and, and why it may not be most optimal. Um, you can see a ton of success this way. And, And it really, it kind of gives somebody one thing that they can focus on. So rather than, you know, showing up to a restaurant or a gas station or whatever and and trying to figure out, okay, what is the healthiest option here? Uh, And trying to look at everything that's on the menu, it's let me just get something that doesn't have carbs in it. Like I can just focus on that one thing. And I did say at the beginning, you know, that keto is not just about cutting out carbs, but it's a really great first place to start. I mean, if you are, if you're overweight if you are, um, you know, pre-diabetic, which is, you know, almost 90% of our population. So again, probably going to be a lot of people in that field, just like any field that are going to be suffering from that. Then cutting out carbs is going to be, you know, eighty twenty. it's going to be one of the biggest things you can do to start seeing progress and to start getting healthier. So it kind of gives you just an easy thing to focus on. And, you know, you talk about like the, the breakfast in the morning, like not having time to grab breakfast you know, the, that used to be just, you know, I didn't have time to grab breakfast. Now we call that intermittent fasting, right? We we put a (laughs) label on it. Um, and you know, the truth is, is that intermittent fasting has a lot of benefits. And, um, especially for, again, people who are dealing with, um, you know, chronic disease, diabetes, obesity, and everything like that. And, you know, for somebody who's following the standard American diet, who's consuming a lot of carbs, skipping breakfast in the morning is going to mean a blood sugar crash. It's going to mean that your brain's not performing very well. It's going to mean that, you know, you're probably going to be a little bit more moody. Um, it's not just the way that you feel. It's going to be the way that you interact with everybody around you. Um, and, you know, it's and that's going to make you more likely when you reach lunchtime to go to that fast food spot and get, you know, the burger and French fries and the soda and, you know, the the dessert and everything like that. Whereas when you're following a keto diet and your blood sugar is more stable, if you miss breakfast in the morning, you know, you don't have those big blood sugar swings. You actually get a cognitive boost. Your brain performs better when you're fasting. Um, you know, you, you are, you're in a better mood. Um, you don't have the same hunger and cravings that you have. When it comes time for lunch, we know that we actually have research that shows that people who are keto and fasting versus not keto and fasting. Are, likely to, uh, are less likely to overeat at lunchtime than people who are not following a ketogenic diet. So I think it's just the ease of it for somebody who's living that lifestyle. It's just so much easier to focus on that rather than, you know, hey, if you were following a paleo diet, now you have to figure out, okay, what's, what's paleo and what's not? Is this, you know, I have to go find the list uh, of what foods are approved and what foods aren't approved. And, you know, and, and it's, it's just a lot more challenging when you don't really have the time. You know, I think a lot of times you see these health influencers on social media and they, they post this way of living that it's just not practical for everybody, especially people who are working in that service industry. So I think that's really the, the easiest thing is that it gives you just one single thing you can focus on. that's going to make a big difference. And for a lot of people, you know, once you start seeing those differences and you start feeling better, that's kind of the first domino that falls that will make you more likely to want to, okay, now I'm going to go to the gym, you know, or I'm going to make time for that. Or now I'm going to focus on, you know, maybe improving the quality of the food that I'm eating in my keto diet. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be more likely to do that when you start getting some of that positive feedback. So I think that's a big one. And then, you know, one other thing I'll add to that too, is the exercise component. You know, we know the exercise is really important. Um, it's It's important on any diet, it's going to be very beneficial. But for somebody, again, who's, you know, you're working this job and, you know, you don't know when you're going to get home at night. You don't know if you can prioritize the gym. Uh, a keto diet, and there's plenty of research that has shown this as well. You can see dramatic health improvements on a keto diet without exercising. So, and I, I'm always hesitant to say that because exercise is so good and it provides so many different benefits. But regardless of that, if, if you're, you know, if you got a family and you're working this crazy job and you don't have time to go to the gym, maybe as much as you'd like to. Um, keto is going to be really effective for allowing you to see the health changes that you want without having to beat yourself up in the gym if you don't have the time for it.
1: Right. Okay. So Chris, if you could put yourself in our shoes for a minute and let's pretend that you were a technician and you were living that lifestyle, walk us through like what what your day would look like.
2: Here's what that, that lifestyle looks like from a guy who's a third generation plumber. Mm -hmm. Um, so I probably have a morning meeting at 7 a.m. Um, I would say most, most, um, techs probably don't get up much, much earlier than time to get in the shower and jump in the truck and head in. So mm-hmm. you're up at maybe six, you're at your morning meeting at seven, you're, you're running calls all day. Very few techs take time to like go get lunch, especially go sit down for lunch. They they just keep moving. And you probably, probably don't, uh, don't get home until, I'd say like, let's say five, 6 PM. Mm-hmm. And when you do get home, you are exhausted. Mm-hmm. So h- how do you schedule your day in, in terms of uh, carnivore or keto diet?
0: Yeah. So I think in, in that situation, um, you know, it would be a little bit different for if you're a beginner versus somebody who's been doing it for a little bit, um, for this first thing that I'm saying, but you know, if you're, if your morning looks like that and it's hectic and you got to get out. Um, I think just going the intermittent fasting route is a really good strategy. Like, and what I mean by, you know, maybe not for a beginner is that intermittent fasting can be challenging if you're a beginner. So, if, if somebody's listening to this and they want to start tomorrow, it's probably going to be helpful for them to, you know, grab some, maybe like a convenient, um, you know, pro, low sugar protein bar or, or something in the morning that will keep them satiated as they get adapted to this diet. And then, you know, after a couple of weeks of doing that, then it can really turn into just intermittent fasting. Just, you know, wake up, get out the door. What I would do first thing in the morning is I would drink an electrolyte powder. Um, that's something that I do every morning anyway. Um, and for, you know, the, just to give a brief explanation of that, when we follow a low carb diet and our insulin levels come down, we, we lose more water and electrolytes, which especially for somebody who's you know working in the service industry, like you guys are probably sweating a lot, very, very active in your job when you're, you know, when you're at, uh, you know, I know you, you kind of talk about being in the car a lot and stuff, but I'm sure outside of that, it's a, it's a pretty active job. Oh, So yeah. there's the need for Absolutely. electrolytes. Addicts, yeah, crawl yeah. spaces, very hot, very cold temps all over the board. Right. So you're, you know, you're sweating a lot. You're losing even more electrolytes than you're already losing from the diet. So, you know, waking up in the morning and starting with the electrolyte drink is going to be a really good way to just set yourself up for success for the rest of the day. What would be um, some so examples
1: what, of that, Chris? Like, do you have actual products or is that just a generic idea
0: uh yeah so there there are so you can you know you can get electrolytes through whole foods like you know avocados and and you can salt your foods and stuff like that but um it is pretty challenging especially when you're you have a high sweat rate and you're very active so uh, an electrolyte supplement is is really helpful and we do make one at perfect keto um that i can recommend because i I did actually formulate it um based you know based on exactly what i would put in in a product um the right ratios of the electrolytes and everything like that so we have like four different flavors of it. You just mix it with water. Um, we have like lemon, lime, uh, black cherry, pink lemonade, things like that. So it's also kind of nice for those people who, who like to have, like you talk about drinking a lot of water in the morning. Some people don't drink water as much in the morning because they just don't really have the taste for it. So sometimes putting in, you know, a flavor like that makes you a little bit more likely to, to drink some water. So, um, and that's one of the reasons why I like an electrolyte powder over an electrolyte capsule. You know, we used to just have the electrolyte pills um, but you know, you can drink, take an electrolyte pill and, and just drink a sip of water, whereas with the powder you have to put it with, you know, ten ten to twelve ounces of water. So sure. it's gonna kind of help you get both. Um so so that would be the first thing I would do is I would have those electrolytes in the morning. Um, you know, and I wouldn't really worry about you know snacking or anything like that. If you're somebody who is a snacker and, and that may be a transition for you, again I would I would be focusing on like, you know, if, if after that morning uh you're kind of in that transition between morning and afternoon. If you're find yourself dealing with a lot of hunger early on, then packing a few convenient snacks like a low sugar protein bar, you know maybe some nuts, um, beef jerky, things like that, beef sticks. Um, those can be you know really great ways to just to have a convenient snack to grab. And and the importance of low sugar in this situation isn't just for the sake of keto. It's also the fact that you know if you're having a, a sugary snack in between meals, you're going to get a big blood sugar spike. And then you're going to crash, and that's going to be what's going to make you tired. It's going to make you, you know, hung more hungry. That's hangry. going to make you moody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're going to check the boxes. You're definitely going to be hangry. What, are, um, what are, so, uh,
2: you said? You said nuts, which I I do uh, I do use myself from time to time. Usually in the beginning, I find like the first ten days or two weeks, I have some significant cravings, and then they're just they're just pretty much gone. Then I just want right. a ribeye with salt. Like most of the time, right. I'm on the diet, um, but th- not all nuts are created equal. Um, right? What which ones do you recommend for uh, for that snack?
0: Yeah, so you know I'm not a big fan of peanuts. Um, you know, peanuts aren't technically a nut; they're they're a legume, um, and they're they're a little bit higher in some of the the anti nutrients that we that are you know ideal for us to keep out of our diets and and to kind of not to go too deep into anti nutrients, but uh, some plant-based foods contain anti-nutrients that can interfere with nutrient absorption. Um, so, you know, we don't want to have a ton of those things in our diet. Now all nuts are going to have them in there to some degree. So that it's a, a reason to not go crazy with overeating nuts. Um, but like peanuts and cashews are going to be a little bit higher in those things. Um, you know, probably want to avoid those. Um, you know, the best nuts I would say are macadamia nuts, um, pistachios, almonds, those are still going to contain some of those anti-nutrients, like I said, but they're going to be, um, it's just, you're not going to want to over consume them. Um, but the biggest, the, really the biggest thing that when you say not all nuts are created equally, the, the besides nut type, I would say a more important thing is how the nuts are prepared. And a lot of, um, when you, you go to a store and you get roasted nuts, a lot of them are roasted in, uh, vegetable oils, which, you know, we can touch mm, on that a little delicious. bit here, but. Yeah. Right. That's, (laughs) but you know, vegetable, I I always tell people like, if I, if you told me right now that I had to choose between eating, you know, sugar or vegetable oils, I would absolutely choose sugar, um, before I would choose vegetable oils. And I I do think that changes a little bit. Like, you know, I'm metabolically healthy. My body can process sugar. Um, so, you know, I don't have to worry about that as much. Now for somebody who's not, um, they're probably going to see more benefit from cutting, you know, initially they're going to see more benefit from cutting sugar than vegetable oils. But in general, Vegetable oils are nasty. They drive up inflammation. Um, They can promote chronic disease. uh, And they're found in a lot of packaged foods. And nuts is is a big culprit. So um, the best thing to do when you, you, if you're going to buy some nuts, is flip the label around and look and see what they're roasted. And if you see canola oil, uh, safflower oil, sunflower oil, uh, soybean oil, peanut oil, those are the ones that we really want to avoid. Um, So, you know, the best route to go is going to be either going raw Um, which definitely, you know, you're sacrificing taste in in that sense, um, or going dry roasted. And then that's usually the route that I go is going dry roasted. You know, there are some occasionally you might be able to find, uh, you know, a nut that's roasted in coconut oil or avocado oil, but it's a lot less common and mostly because that's a lot more expensive. Uh, so if you can find the dry roasted, that's going to be definitely the best option. But, you know, again, we have to consider everybody's situation, meeting people where they're at. You know, if you're, if you have the opportunity to prepare ahead of time and go shopping and buy snacks, that's the route that you should go. But if you are, you know, on the go and you, you're, you're starving and you have to stop at a gas station to grab food, you're not going to find dry roasted nuts at a gas station. They're just not going to be there. So, you know, in that sense, I would much rather you reach for the the veggie oil nuts and eat those versus, you know, grabbing a hot dog uh, with a bun or a bag of chips or something like that. So, you know, in the sense of meeting people where they're at, even, you know, even a vegetable oil nut is going to be a lot better than a highly processed carbohydrate that's also going to contain vegetable oils anyway. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the the thing with, with nuts I'd say.
1: Okay. So that's making a lot of sense. And I think a lot of, uh, our, our, our field staff people, um, would absolutely be hungry somewhere between their first and second call and are probably reaching for something, um, in, in the truck, you know? So I think you gave us some good ideas there. Now, the next mm-hmm. the next step is lunchtime, which can be anywhere from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., depending on how the calls are falling and how busy the day is. Uh, you might have brought something in the truck in the bag, but I believe a lot of our, our field staff people are probably just hitting up the local convenience store or fast food spot on the way. So help us understand what's the best approach to lunchtime.
0: Yeah. So, you know, again, I think um, it depends a little bit on where you're at in your journey. Um, you know, I think that for somebody who's just starting out, like when you're just starting out, you keto, know, we really want you to understand, you know, what foods contain carbs and which don't, uh, and really focus on starting to avoid those things. So if you're in a situation where you have to go to a convenience store, you have to go to a restaurant. I think the biggest focus is just removing those carbs. So even if you have to go to a, uh, a fast food burger place, it's like, you know, get the burger without the bun. Um, you know, try, try to avoid the French fries. Um, if you can get like a side salad instead of the French fries, do that. Um, you know, you can, the the way that I used to do it was I I would grab a side salad, I would grab a burger, remove the bun, throw the burger on the salad. And then you kind of have like a a little makeshift salad. Also, you know, most, uh, fast food places also have salads in, in some senses. So, um, you know, that's, it's, it's becoming a little bit more easy to find lower carb options. I think the biggest challenge for people in these situations is that you actually have to you know go through the drive through and look at the menu and make a decision to not get you know the the big mac and french fries and to instead get you know the salad or something like that and i think that's probably the it, it used to be the case that finding options was the harder part now there's a lot more options i think the bigger thing is, is having the discipline so um you know i think the the removing the bun is, is a pretty easy option uh, any place that has chicken if you can go for grilled chicken over fried that's going to be another great way to stay keto and, and cut out the um, cut out the carbs as well, uh, so that that would be the route that I would go in that situation. Another thing that people can do, if you're, you know, not somebody who really craves having a an actual meal, um, you know, just packing a protein shake, having like a, a high calorie protein shake, like something where you're maybe you're putting a protein powder with, you know, a half an avocado and some, you know, blueberries and you know maybe some coconut oil or something in there, uh, something that would keep you satiated throughout the day. That would be another option you could do too, but um, I, I think it would just be when you get, if you're doing the fast food route, when you get to that fast food place, let's just cut those carbs out wherever we can. Um, you know, and even just removing the bun, that's, that's a huge thing. I mean, you're, you're avoiding processed, uh, gluten. And if you can keep that out of your diet, that's going to definitely move the needle.
2: Yeah. Our boss here, uh, Scott roars is, is notorious for, uh, like y- even yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Yesterday where we went out to that lunch, he got a a salad and a and a, uh, Burger they, they on top. a really good cheeseburger at this place, kind of a local mm-hmm. locally famous cheeseburger, and he gets it without the bun, drops it on top of that salad, and every time it looks amazing. Yeah. But back to yeah, what I mean, you said yeah. about the oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Yeah, back to what you said about the protein shake. Uh mm-hmm. proteins aren't or uh powdered proteins aren't all created equally as I notice on like my Optimum nutrition protein that I probably enjoy the most, but when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm involved in this way of eating, which I'll usually do for eight weeks twice a year, um, I'm not disciplined enough to do it year round like some people. But mm-hmm. you know, before vacation season and then just the opposite time of the year, I, I just like to cut down, feel good, be healthy, wake up earlier, sleep better, right? You know, and then I punish myself the rest of the year for some uh, reason. <laughs> As as we spoke about before, uh, mm-hmm. I, I like an IPA, and they they're just loaded yeah. with sugar, um, right? Yeah. Notice in 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 um, like at least the optimum nutrition protein powder that it's got dextrose in it, it. It says it's like I don't know two grams of carbs per per scoop, but I notice those fillers that can usually mess up your blood sugar. Are there protein powders or and do you offer them at Perfect Keto that don't have that kind of stuff in them?
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and again, I'll, I'll also before I make those recommendations, I'll kind of throw out there that, um, you know, I try not to take the elitist view with everything, um, you know, even in the sense of like an optimum nutrition protein shake. Um, obviously, if we could avoid the, the maltodextrin and some of the other things we're, they're putting in there, that would be ideal. Um, but also, you know, if that's all you have in, in that moment. Um, you know, having that occasionally and in the, the amounts that they're in those products probably isn't going to be that big of a deal. Um, so, you know, I always just make that caveat to people just because I I hate when people kind of sit there and they're like, Oh, you know, I, I, am so fearful of having this protein shake that I'll end up just going off of the rails on the diet and having something far worse than what would be contained in the protein shake. So I just put that out there, but, um, but there are definitely a lot better options. The first thing I would say is, is avoid plant protein. Um, very inferior source of protein does not contain, um, all of the amino acids that we need. Um, so that would be the first thing that I would, would throw off the list. Um, when it comes to the, the types of protein, I think that are best. There's, uh, whey protein, which is going to be coming from dairy. There's beef protein, uh, that's, you know, obviously coming from beef, egg protein, and then collagen, which is, um, there are plant sources of collagen. Those are also trash. Um, but, uh, animal sources of collagen, those are, are good sources of protein. And at Perfect Keto, we do have whey and collagen protein and, you know, we, we only sweeten with stevia. So there's no like maltodextrin or anything like that. You, you don't have to worry about any blood sugar spike. Um, you know, they're, they're very clean options and there's some other ones out there too. You know, the, the b- biggest thing to do is, is flip the, um, flip the product around and look at the ingredient label. See, there's a bunch of things on there that you don't recognize then that's not really a, a great food. You know, ingredient labels for a protein shouldn't contain more than, you know, four or five ingredients at the most. Um, so, you know, if you start seeing a ton of extra ingredients on that list, that's probably a good sign that it's not a great option. Um, and my, my actually preferred protein source uh, for, for a protein powder, that is, is, it actually doesn't come from Perfect Keto. It comes from Equip Foods, um, which is that they have a beef protein that I like to take. And that's just because I, I think that, um, one, I, I think that beef, protein is superior to, to whey. But then also, you know, sometimes people have adverse reactions to whey. If there's somebody who struggles with dairy, um, then that can be an issue. You're not going to have to worry about that with beef. So that's kind of the, my go-to protein. And that's usually what I consume. Like After my workouts, that's what I'm reaching for is the, uh, the, the equipped beef protein.
2: I'll, I'll warn you, if you're used to whey protein and you enjoy the taste and you switch over to that beef, they can't add enough chocolate powder to make it taste good. It's, <laughs> it's I will say, have you had the Equip,
0: though? I don't
2: think so. Is that one of the ones you can get at like a vitamin shop or,
0: or GNC? I don't think, no, I don't think so. Um, Equip is, is also created by uh, Dr. Anthony Gustin, who is the founder of Perfect Keto. So they, they were a sister company of ours. Um, at at one point in time, and I don't think you, they're not available in retail, so they're only online. Um, but I, I will agree with you. So when I was in grad school, we did research on beef protein. Um, and I was a, I was a subject in one of the studies and had to drink beef protein and it was horrible. It was the worst tasting thing I'd ever had. Uh, equips is really good. It's, It's like, they have a really great strawberry and chocolate one. Uh, those are the only two I use. I think there's a vanilla as well, but I don't, I don't use that one but the strawberry and the chocolate are phenomenal and it's the only time I've ever had beef protein that tasted good. So, um, I can definitely, you know, advocate for them.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Uh, equipped.
0: Like yeah. Equip. Dance. So it's uh, yeah. E-Q-U-I-P. Oh, okay.
2: Equip. Gotcha. equip. Yep.
0: Yeah. I'll
2: definitely check that one out. So Chris, yeah. uh,
1: the, the last part of the day for our technicians is supper and then evening time. Uh, supper mm-hmm. can come at any time, literally like, again a lot of our field staff people have little idea of when they're getting home so very erratic eating behaviors you know sometimes supper's at 4 sometimes it's at 7 and then on top of that you know probably staying up a little bit later than we all should and uh you know you get hungry again so where do we go from there so what what does that look like to have that uh, erratic supper time what are some good supper time ideas for food and then what are we doing with snacks
0: Yep so you know I think Dinner is one of the most important meals to focus on because even with a crazy schedule where you don't necessarily know where you're eating, it's usually the opportunity where you, it's like the the meal of the day that you have the most control over in sense of what you're actually eating. You know, you're you're back at your house, so you're able to, to have a little bit more um, control over what those foods actually are. So I think it's really important to focus on that. I think the the biggest thing to do here is is to just prepare well, um, whether that's having a, you know the, a meal prep service or uh, you know, I don't know. It depends on where you're at. You have good access to those, but um, you know, or just having good foods in the house. And and for me, on keto uh, or really any diet, the, the ideal dinner is going to be meat and and a vegetable if you're doing vegetables. Um, optional, like we kind of talked earlier, not not a necessity, but you know, if you're trying to add more bulk to your meal. So for what that what that would look like, that could be you know any type of of red meat is going to be primarily what I recommend um, pork. Uh, I don't recommend a ton of chicken or Turkey just because white meat is, you know, it's got a good source of protein in it, but it's kind of nutrient void. It does not contain the nutrients that like red meat and pork has. Um, so I always opt for, for red meat over anything else. Um, uh, and you know, was it
2: Pavel, what's it, Tatooine on, uh, Joe Rogan who said, uh, he's a, he's a big carnivore guy and he said, uh, oh yeah, is he the runner? Yeah, and I think he does like all kinds of like that try, you know, that uh, Iron Man or what is it, Iron Man stuff. What do you do there? I think Nate? it was
0: Iron Man. Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: he does a lot of that like uh, athlete kind of like a, a David Goggins top type stuff. I don't condone right. that stuff either. It sounds horrible. <laughs> but he said uh, he was talking about what what meats he eats, and he said he doesn't eat chicken. Joe Rogan said why? He's like I don't know, it's weak. It's a bird that can't yeah. fly. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear it in his accent, it's, it's even funnier, but yeah. So, so <laughs> I yeah, love that. d- that's a great, that's a great point with the dinner thing. Um, yeah, I don't know why you get it. You get a month into this way of eating. You're not really walking around wishing you had more white meat or at least me right. in particular. Now I'll, I'll devour a salmon or, or trout or even, um, a can of, uh, Keep wanting to say anchovies, but not anchovies. Um, sardines, sardines. Yeah, I keep I keep yeah. a ton of those at the house. Um, they're in they're in olive oil, but it's better than any of that kind of disgusting canola oil or totally seed oil or whatever else they'll put it in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so for me, and I get home at kind of sporadic times as well. With I have four kids, and most of them are in sports and different things. The okay. family usually eats what the family eats, and if, I'll I'll have like a steak that I'm throwing on or some salmon or even if it's like the family's having tacos, she'll, my wife will make me some extra ground beef and I'll do something with that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to do, but I, but I implore you if you're a field tech or a customer service rep or anyone who's never tried this way of eating to just put on the calendar, like say, I'm going to do this from, I don't know se- September first through September thirtieth. This is I'm just gonna do it and and mm-hmm. get a hold of Chris. Get a hold of of us. Shoot us an email at uh, uh,
1: info at wastenoday
2: dot com. I couldn't remember what the first <laughs> <one was like. laughs> shoot us an email at info at no dot com. Um, and and we'll we will definitely help walk you through it. I have two two. Uh, keto books on my shelf right here and our doctor that that um we have like uh what do they call it private care physician yes it's uh mm. you pay a monthly service and you have kind of your own doctor available 24 hours a day he's if you go into his office dr patrick roll direct, roh direct a, primary care is what it's direct called direct primary care that's what it is yeah dr patrick roll you walk into his office and the bookshelf is just full of low-carb books, like keto. Carb oh, that's awesome. That kind of, yeah, I, I recently got my mom to switch over because her doctor kept telling her to not do it because she eats too much cholesterol on it. I'm just like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, Glad you have a degree to come up with that. Yeah,
0: Jeez. <laughs> Um yeah, Crazy so that still thing.
2: Before we get back to it, I, I did want to ask, how how can people get in contact with you? Where can they follow you?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the best place, to, to reach me is going to be Instagram. Um it's at the Ketologist. Um I that's where I put out the bulk of my content and that's also where I you know I respond to every comment and every DM that comes in. Um as the account's grown the the response time's gotten a little bit slower, but you know, usually within a couple of days I'm getting back to people. Um not everybody in the space is responding to their own DMs so that's something that I've kind of always prided myself on is that I'm going to be the one to respond to people. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit longer sometimes. Um, so that's going to be the best place. And then I'm also on Twitter. I've, I've started to get a little bit more active on Twitter. So uh, same same thing at The Ketologist there. And then I have a website that's theketologist.com um, where I just put out some blog posts and, and, you know, some little recipes and things like that here and there. Um, but I'd say for, you know, anybody who's really trying to, to reach me or get a hold of me, Instagram is going to be the best spot.
1: Awesome. Now, Chris, the other half of the home services industry is internal support staff and in being in the home services industry and, and having to man the phones and those types of things at all odd hours of the day, you know, we tend to have 24 uh, seven phone service. And so we're looking at people working first shift, second shift, third shift, all different times, um, primarily sitting uh, most of the day, staring at
0: computers. How does keto fit into that in a healthy way? Yeah, so you know, to be honest, I would say that those people are probably the ones that could benefit most from a keto diet for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that kind of like we mentioned earlier with the you know the fact that you can lose a lot of weight and get healthier without having to do a lot of exercise. You know, in a job like that where you're doing a lot of sitting, um, you know, so, so it's a a pretty sedentary job, and and I can resonate with that being somebody who's a writer and and stuff. That like my job is is mostly sedentary. I'm sitting at a computer most of the time, so I think that's a big one. Is that you know, it's, it's a good way to make sure that while you're not moving your body a lot, you're also not packing on a ton of fat when you're eating and things like that. Um, but for the night workers, it's even more interesting because the research on that, you know, we know that night working is, it can be tough on your health. And um, a lot of that does have to do with the, you know, the, your circadian rhythms and your sleep cycles that get thrown off. Um, but one of the things that we see in night workers is a really high rate of insulin resistance, which insulin resistance is. Um, you kind of hear the word being thrown around a lot, but it's kind of the precursor to diabetes. It's the, it's, uh, um, you know, what's the first kind of ball to drop that will start the progression, not just to, towards diabetes, but it's actually a root cause of almost all chronic disease. Um, so, and again, for, for the readers out there, there's a book, why we get sick by Dr. Ben Bickman um, that highlights the, the role that insulin resistance plays in all of our, our chronic disease. So that's a, a great one to read. Um, but keto, that's really where keto works so we see a lot where you know people think that the keto diet is like this miracle diet because uh, you know it, it helps with diabetes and it helps with cardiovascular disease and and there's even some research on cancer and all these and alzheimer's and all this stuff and so everybody thinks that you know that it's either it's, it's crazy it's some magical diet that everybody thinks can cure everything or you get people who actually believe that's like wow keto is this magical diet that can cure everybody um, but really all it is is that keto targets insulin resistance. Um, that's its biggest thing. You know, insulin resistance is when we eat carbs all the time, we spike our blood sugar. When we spike our blood sugar, our, our body has to secrete insulin to manage that blood sugar. And when we do that too much, we exhaust the system and our body stops responding to that so well. And, and that leads to chronically elevated levels of insulin. So when you follow a keto diet, you're cutting the carbs out. And then you, so you're, you're essentially removing the problem. Um, so for people who are those night workers who are, you know, when you're sedentary, you're more likely to be insulin resistant. And when you are, you know, a night worker, you're more likely to be insulin resistant. So a keto diet for these people, these people may be the best, uh, the best case for a, for a ketogenic diet because of the fact that it's going to be targeting the thing that's going to be most likely to destroy their health or impair their quality of life. So uh, I think for these people, that's a really great route.
2: When you say, when you say the night workers in particular, is that because of the, different type of sleep they get.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the assumption, you know, we don't totally know, but that seems to be where it's rooted is that, you know, your circadian rhythms get thrown off. That's your, your sleep cycles. And then that leads to a lot, that leads to chronic stress, like your cortisol levels can be higher. Um, but it also kind of, there's, it's always hard to to figure out what the actual causes of that, because it's like, you're also more likely to not eat a good diet when you're under that level of stress. You know, you're also more likely to be snacking when you're sitting at your desk all night. You're more likely to be, you know, sitting maybe on your phone and, and exposing yourself to things that, that further stress you out and impair your mental state. So it's always kind of hard to pinpoint the thing, but I think sleep really is kind of the underlying factor in that situation where, you know, if you're, we know that if you're not getting good sleep and your, your, um, your circadian cycles are thrown off, you're more likely to overeat. You're more likely to have more cravings and you're more likely to have higher cortisol levels. So it kind of seems like that's really the the issue here. And there are some things you can do to combat that, you know, some some ways that you can try to flip your schedule a little bit. Um, But even in those cases, it's just not the most natural, like it's not kind of how we were made biologically to handle that. So, um, you know, this, I think in those situations, that's where you, you hear people talking about biohacking all the time. I think that's a situation where biohacking through diet and supplementation and things like that can be super helpful because you're really kind of, you're fighting an uphill battle a little bit if you're in that situation.
1: All right, Chris. So I really appreciate all the information today. There's no question that you're well-versed in many of the details and science that goes behind this. Now, let's say that some of our listeners are saying, you know what, Uh, it's time. I got to do something here. Things aren't uh, going the way that I planned with my body, my diet. So I I, I think I want to try this out how does, how does one step into the keto world? Um, yeah. Where's the place to start? I mean, I'm not looking to dive into, uh, anti-nutrients and all those types of things, just maybe (laughs) maybe we'll get there, but you know, give me a starting place.
0: Yeah. So I think there's, there's two recommendations I would make on this for one, for the person who like, you want to go right now, you want to start, um, I would, you know, download some, form of app that will allow you to track carbs. So there's like carb manager, chronometer, anything like that, and focus on keeping carbs below 30 grams a day. That's what I would start with. And can you give obviously, us an
1: idea, Chris, of what is 30 grams a day? Like, tell me what that looks like.
0: 30 grams a day would be, you know, pretty much like if, if you were having uh, some vegetables at every meal and, you know, maybe like a snack of like a nut, nuts or like a low carb protein bar in between meals that would be 30 grams a day. So like a serving of you know, broccoli or, or a green vegetable at lunch and at dinner and then a snack in between of like a nut or a protein, that would pretty much eat up 30 grams a day. Okay, so my, um,
1: my short stack of three pancakes
0: with syrup on top, that's that's going to be a little bit over. <laughs> yeah, that's probably approaching 100 right there. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that would kind of be the first thing I'd recommend. Is like, let's keep that below 30 grams. Obviously, we also want to focus on, you know, keto is not just... What you take out of your diet, it's also what you put into your diet. So you know we want to focus on quality protein and things like that. But you know you can really focus on the carbs um, as a, as a kind of a first thing. Uh, and and a good way to go about this too, if you if you're kind of confused on what foods are keto friendly not, is just to find like a, a keto friendly food list and just stick to it. You know if you're somebody who doesn't say you don't want to track and you don't want to count, go to perfectketo.com. We have food lists where you can just look and say you know for the next thirty days. I'm only going to eat foods on this list. And, and even if you, you know, just eating to satiety or fullness on those foods, we know in research that even eating more, like we, there's studies that show eating, let's put somebody on a keto diet and then let's put somebody on a non-keto diet and let's, you know, match their calories and you will lose more weight on a keto diet than a non-keto diet. And there's even studies showing that eating in a calorie surplus or eating more calories than that non-keto group is eating those people still lose more weight. So you know, even if you're incidentally overeating a little bit on keto um, in those, at the beginning, you're still going to see a lot of benefits. So you don't have to get crazy with tracking. You can just get that food list and stick to it. Um, and then for anybody who wants to go maybe dive in a little bit deeper, uh, we do have at Perfect Keto a program that uh, I helped create a couple of years ago called the Keto Kickstart, uh, which is a 30-day program. It's free um, you download a, a PDF that kind of, it gives you the food list. It gives you some example meals, some example recipes, and then gives you a little bit of the why, um, which I, I do find can be helpful for people who, you know, if you've listened to this podcast and you've already decided to do this, then you might not need that. But sometimes the why kind of gives you the extra push um, to, to kind of help hold you a little bit more accountable. So that, that's one that, you know, I, I really recommend for anybody who has the time to just sit down for, you know, an hour and kind of read through that and, and kind of get the resources out of it. That'd be a good way to go. Um, but it definitely doesn't have to be this overcomplicated, track everything, you know, track your, get your macros and use a macro calculator. You know, that's something that can come down the road, which maybe you uh, got adapted to the diet. Maybe you kind of hit a stall and it's now it's time to, for you to personalize your nutrition a little bit more. But in the beginning stage, it's like, let's just eat keto friendly foods and let's get used to this way of eating. And then we can focus on, you know, dialing it in and a little bit more down the road.
1: Now, Chris, as we wrap it up here today, uh, I'm sure that you perhaps personally or I'm sure that you've dealt with other people who have had a number of false starts. Right. So, uh, yeah, keto, man, I'm starting that. And like three days later, uh, <laughs> we're, we're digging into French fries and and uh, mashed potatoes, and it's delicious, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, next week, like, oh, man, okay, yeah, yeah, reset it, you know, we're back on track, we're doing it again, and, you know, company brings an ice cream truck (laughs) in or something. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what what are some good tactics to help avoid that, you know, um, I, I would imagine extending yourself grace and saying, hey, you know, even if you do you do mess up, you can drop off for a little bit. Just okay, reset, get back on it. But what are some good tactics to help avoid the fall starts, or at least create that uh, continual discipline?
0: Yeah, that's. Oh, and I think it's great that you point out the you know just getting back on track if you slip up. That that is kind of the first big thing. Is you know keto is not all or nothing, and you know when you first start, it is night. It is very beneficial to go four to six weeks of being strict. It will get you adapted and it will, you'll, you'll see better results that way. But if you slip up, it's not a big deal. You, you haven't ruined all of your progress by having one bad day. Um, you know, the question of what do you do after you kind of slip up on keto, the answer is you just get back to it. There's really nothing that you need to do. So I think that's important. Um, but for the false starts, I'd say there's probably three things that somebody can do to help them. Um, you know, one is going to be removing foods from your house that are a problem. And, and I know this gets a little bit more challenging when you have a family. Um, That might not be on board with, you know, what what the diet that you're having, and they're going to be eating foods that aren't keto friendly. But to the best of your abilities, if you can cut out or remove the foods from your home that you're most likely to fall victim to, or or you're going to have cravings for, um, that that's going to be a big help. Uh, The other one is is finding some replace, like kind of knowing yourself and finding replacements. So if you know that you know every Friday they're going to be bringing ice cream to to work, and I'm going to want that ice cream, and it's going to be really hard for me to to avoid it, then go get a low carb ice cream and bring that to work. Um, you know, these, these processed foods, processed keto foods that are out there, we don't want them to make up a bulk of our keto diet. Um, but if, and especially at the beginning, if, if they're able to help prevent us from, you know, consuming a bunch of sugar and kicking ourselves out of ketosis, then they can be really helpful. So, and even outside of work, I think that can work in the home too. Like if you know, you know, every, every Wednesday I, I create pasta or pizza, like, you know, find yourself a low carb replacement, there's, there's a low carb replacement now for almost any food out there. So I think knowing yourself and knowing your triggers and where you're most likely to fail is going to be really helpful at the beginning. And then over time, like you mentioned early on, you know, after a cu- couple weeks of doing this, you don't have those same cravings. So this is really it's, a, it's an early into the diet problem. Um, it, that's kind of when we have to worry about this the most. And then the third thing is, and I mentioned this already is the electrolytes. So Um, a big reason why people will fall off on keto outside of of just, you know, falling victim to a craving is these electrolyte deficiencies that occur cause a lot of the quote unquote keto flu symptoms that you hear about, which can be, you know, brain fog, muscle cramps, uh, digestive issues, problems, sleeping, um, you know, um, fatigue, all of these different things can, and those are all coming from electrolyte deficiencies. And those are very likely to happen in the first couple weeks of the diet. So getting out ahead of that and having electrolyte supplement, using it one to two times a day, drinking water, and then getting whole food sources of, carbohydrate, or of um, electrolytes as well, which my favorite strategy for that is a salted avocado. Um, avocados contain three three times the amount of potassium as a banana. Uh, and potassium is one of those electrolytes that we want to replenish. Um, and then sodium is another one. So a salted avocado is a really great way to, to do it whole food-wise. So you know, I always recommend for people, Uh, In your first couple of weeks, do an electrolyte supplement one to two times a day, do a half or a full salted avocado, and then do some uh, salting your food uh, at each meal. And if you do those things, you're going to avoid those symptoms that are going to be likely to make you think that like, oh, this diet's not for me, or I'm not, you know, I'm not a good candidate for a keto diet. You know, you hear all the time people say like, oh, I tried keto and it didn't work for me. Um, It's not, it's going to work for everybody if it's done the right way. So using those electrolytes is a good way to ensure that.
2: What do you say to people and, and I actually have gotten this uh, I'll just call it an excuse multiple times from even family members, but you know, mostly friends and coworkers. I wouldn't mind doing it, but keto is too expensive.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's it is a very common one. And I you know, the, the way that this, the reason why this thought has come is because with the boom in the food industry's creation of low carb foods. Um, low carb foods are not cheap to make. So, you know, companies like, even like companies like us, so Perfect Keto, we have very like strict ingredient standards. Our products aren't cheap. They're not, there are much cheaper products out there. There are, you know, so if you're comparing those things, it can be challenging. So the first thing I would say is like understanding that you don't have to eat all of these. You don't have to go buy keto bread. You know, you don't have to go buy, you know, keto uh, baking mixes and all these different things, those are the things that are going to really going to rack up your bill. So that's kind of the first. Uh, and then the second one is thinking about what you're going to be cutting out of your diet. So, you know, when you're going to the grocery store and you're no longer buying, you know, your cereals and your pop tarts and, you know, the, the, all that, the soda and all these other things that are, that typically make up somebody's normal grocery trip, you're going to be saving a lot of money in that sense. So, um, you're, you're removing a lot of those, Snacky foods that can also rack up that grocery bill, um, so so I think that's a big one. And you know, I always tell people like I first started keto when I was in grad school, and I was very poor. Um, you know, I had you know because I, I, every once in a while, I'll get somebody say, saying the the money thing, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, that's easy for you to say," because for some reason, people think that I'm like loaded over here. For some reason, I'm not sure well, you why got all people these books think and that, stuff, bro. Makes, makes <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I, surely I must be rolling in it. But I always tell people like. You know, one, that's that's not the case. And, and two, I did this in grad school when I was, you know, hardly able to work because, because of how busy school was and I didn't have much money. So when you're eating a whole food keto diet, like, you know, eat, like, even just breaking down some of the easy things, like if you're eating cereal in the morning or, or Pop-Tarts in the morning, how much is a box of Pop-Tarts and how long does it last you? You can get a carton of eggs for a couple bucks at the grocery store and that's going to last you all through the week. So a lot of times when you do the cost breakdown, it's like even... Even if you buy a steak at the grocery store and some broccoli, like that's really, that's not all that expensive when you consider that you cut out all these other things from your diet that you were paying for before. Um, so I really don't think, I think that's a, in principle, it's kind of a, it's, a, it's an excuse in a lot of ways for people that they, they think, okay, this isn't for me because I can't afford it. But really when you do the breakdown of it, this is, it's not that expensive of a diet if you're sticking to whole foods. Now, you know, if you're comparing a loaf of keto bread to a loaf of regular bread, yeah, it's like seven times the cost. If you're comparing a, you know, a carton of keto ice cream to a carton of regular ice cream, it's like five times the cost. Um, so, you know, that's where you're going to really start racking up the bill. But when it comes to whole foods and, you know, getting ground beef and, and meat and vegetables and things like that, eggs, um, it's just, those are, those are pretty cheap foods.
2: Yeah. It's not even, it's not even close really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely say that my grocery bill is, you know, it's a lot lower. Not like before when I go to the grocery store, there was just so many extra things that I was buying that are just unnecessary, you know, like just chips and, 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 you know, the, all the different breakfast foods and the snack items in between. It's like when you get on keto and you no longer have cravings and you no longer have these desires to eat in between meals, like you start realizing like, man, my grocery bills cut in half. And can what's so see- great about that?
2: Even if you load up your refrigerator and your, your pantry or whatever wherever you store your food, your cabinets, on keto, <laughs> you're, you're about to get a whole lot more room in your kitchen. <laughs> cause you're right. You don't have these big processed boxes of junk everywhere and sugar. And <laughs> and I, I, I can't imagine what, you know, I have a family of six, what our kitchen would look like if all six of us were on this way of eating. It yeah. would be pretty spacious
0: in there. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you'd be removing all that stuff that sits, that takes up room in your kitchen, the bags of flour and the sugar and the, you know, the cereals and the the pastas and the rice and all that stuff that really sits in the cupboard for a long time. Um, and the, the last thing that I do want to add to that too, to the money thing is that I think that a lot of times we don't think about our health as an investment. And I really think that we should because even if a keto diet was you know, a lot more expensive or, you know, let's say you're following a carnivore diet and you, you want to go the grass fed route, which is going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, and you, you go that route like that, that can rack up the bill a little bit going that way, but it's kind of understanding that like, if, if you don't pay, if you don't pay for good food and for, for a healthy lifestyle, you're going to pay in other ways. You're going to pay in medical bills. You're going to pay in quality of life. Um, you know, what, what happens when you can't do your job to the best of your ability and you can't focus and, and now you uh, can't move up in your field the way that you want to, or maybe you even lose your job or what happens when you have to go on, you know, disability because you have a lot of health issues from not being healthy. So I think that's the other thing we have to realize too, is that, you know, whenever you're buying healthier foods, even if there are situations where it's more expensive, your health is an investment. And, you know, really hard to make an argument that it's not the most important investment in your life, because, you know, even if you have, if you look at financial investments, you can have all the money in the world, but if you have poor health, it doesn't really matter if you, you know, if you die 30 years early, what's, what's the point of having all the money? So I think that's another thing for people to consider is that like our health is something we should care about more.
2: Absolutely. And it's a, it's a, we, we really haven't touched on, in my opinion, the biggest benefits of, of this way of eating, which might not be the same for everybody. I don't really know, but I know what it does for for me, myself and the people in my group chat and friends who are on this way of eating, which are I'll I'll just talk about like when I lift weights, I have certain recurring physical issues and inflammation. I have no ACL in my left knee, which is usually can usually be in pain if I do heavy lifting for two or three days. I've uh right my right heel is typically in pain and then I have golfers or tennis elbow whichever one it is and my right elbow and then my left forearm is just kind of messed up muscle wise where it's it just t- tends to be irritated most of the time mm-hmm. um these i get into about week 3 or 4 probably about week 4 of this diet i don't i don't deal with that inflammation anymore and any right. it, like it's all gone i don't really understand that part uh you know metabolically speaking but it's it's actually it works it it, it uh, exists uh, as well as mm-hmm. like as soon as I hit the pillow I'm into a deep sleep and I wake up almost systematically five to fifteen minutes before my 415 alarm goes off and I wow. pop out of that bed and and uh, look forward to the gym whereas from just eating and drinking whatever is in front of me there's a lot more inflammation I sleep a lot worse and i I get up dreading getting out of the bed and then dreading heading to that gym. Once I'm lifting it, none of that matters. It, it's a game on once the, you know, adrenaline starts pumping, but yeah, getting there is really tough when I'm just eating whatever crap is around. And these benefits well, aren't, that, aren't talked about enough in, in my opinion. Again, don't understand them. Maybe you can clear it up, but, but they're an actual fact in, with this way of
0: eating. Totally. And, and I think that's kind of the, the thing with the investment part of this is like if you were to ask somebody you know it how much would you pay to have more energy how much would you pay to you know not have joint inflammation to not have your knees hurting how much would you pay to you know sleep better at night a lot of people would pay far more than what it costs to follow a healthier diet for those things so i think a lot of times when people are making the money excuse it's really they're making a work excuse they don't want to put in the effort they don't want to go through the hard parts of, you know, cutting out these foods that they're addicted to and so used to eating because people would, you know, if somebody said, you know, let's let's say that eating grass-fed ground beef costs you an extra $50 a week. If you were to ask somebody, hey, would you pay $50 this week to be, you know, more likely to go to the gym and sleep better at night and not be in pain all the time, people would be like, yeah, I'd of pay course. $50 a week for With that. The, you like know?
2: the nootropics that are being pumped out now. I mean, there's yeah. 10,000 companies making these nootropics and, how much? How much are these same people spending on Monster and Red Bull energy drinks? Where exactly. I know if these people were in ketosis, you you have zero need for for a stimulant at eleven a.m. It totally it wouldn't even cross your mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you're right. That's the other thing too that we we don't always think about is like you know where it's like what what are you prioritizing too? So you talk about the the caffeine drinks and stuff like that. It's like yeah, what is your daily uh, energy drink or starbucks run costing you i mean that's racking up a pretty good bill uh, that when you actually break it down and look at it you know maybe you don't want to look at your finances like that some people don't like lifting the hood up on that It's so, like that's pretty expensive and, and now you can cut those things out but then it's also about prioritizing it too it's like you know if you wanted to go out on friday night and and have pizza and drink you know eight beers with your friends you'd find money for that you know, so it's like if it's part of it is is you have to have a desire to want to do it. You know, we we always are able to come up with, um, you know, the the finances for the things that we really care about and the things that we really want. Um, you know, and and that's always the thing I see I see that a lot with with people around my age where they're like, you know, like, oh, I just you know I don't have like the time or the the money to do this. It's like, well, I saw you know I saw on social media you were. You know, I had bar three times this week racking up a bill. So it's like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I think you're kind of making excuses here.
2: And I, I certainly feel like we've given enough weight and credence to the absolute excuse of I can't afford to eat this way. Um, yeah. But but one last thing, if you if you were to meal prep, do you have any idea what the cost is for a typical American just single person um any idea what the cost would be to like meal prep your way through this? Not, not saying like buy, buy pre-packaged meals, but I, I guess I maybe we could do the math um, and add it in later, but you guys probably, yeah, well, like I mean, bacon and eggs in the morning for breakfast. If you eat breakfast, most of most technicians, field technicians do not eat breakfast. Um, at least mm-hmm. when I was in a truck, but maybe a, a, a good breakfast, a, a lunch that you pack yourself and then have in the, steak and asparagus or whatever for dinner
0: yeah i mean you know you figure for let's just say yeah for one person it's like if you're having you know three eggs in the morning and you know a couple pieces of bacon like that's probably you know 10 $10 to 15 dollars for the week right there um you talk about lunch if you were doing like salad and a meat you know that might be another you know what's that like another you know 10 to 20 dollars depending on what type of meat you're putting obviously if you're going steak and stuff can get a little bit more expensive but then at night, it's like you know, even if you and again, let's live within our own means too. Like if you truly can only afford to do, you know, like when I was in grad school, what I was always doing for dinner was I would put ground beef, broccoli, and a little bit of cheese um, in, in a little skillet and just like fry it up, and that's like cracking an egg on top, and I would eat that. And it's like you know, what's that called? like? That can eat for twenty, thirty dollars a week. That can feed me for like the the full five days. Oh, yeah. um, so you know, I think most times a keto meal. If you're not going the processed keto food route, is going to be on like five dollars, you know, like and and very rarely more than that. Um, and in some cases, like the breakfast, it's like you're talking a couple pieces of bacon, a couple eggs. That might be just a couple bucks, you know. So um, it's really, I think it'd be hard unless you start getting into nicer cuts of steak and stuff. Most meals are going to be in that five dollar range, I think.
2: Yeah, and you can hit Costco and get your you know big packs of top sirloin or. Yeah, New York strip for a very, very reasonable price. And they're really good. Costco steaks are really good. I also did a packed packed lunch, uh, an idea for whomever wants to try it. But I would make, I don't know, a couple pounds of ground beef and in little separate containers for lunch. When I was still a service tech, I would pour in a little bit of um, beef bone broth and then just add Mm. something else to it, like cauliflower rice or something like a super low carb or no carb vegetable that made a little, gave it a little texture. Uh, and when mm-hmm. you microwave these three things together, especially the ground beef with the bone broth, it was it made a really good consistency and also yeah. super cheap.
0: Super cheap, super cheap and super convenient too. And like that's the ground beef. I love going that route too, because you talk about in, in your profession, how you don't have a ton of time and like, the idea of coming home at night and meal prepping for the next day, that's probably the last thing on a lot of these people's minds. Um, So it's like, you can, I mean, you can prep ground beef for, and this is what I do for like lunches, you know, on Monday, when I, when it gets to lunchtime, I do work from home. So I have this luxury, but I'll, I'll cook ground beef for the whole week. So that, you know, the rest of the week, I just have to go in the fridge, grab a little bit of ground beef. You know, I'll do some hard boiled eggs with it, throw it in the microwave and, and it's ready to go. So, you know, talk about cheap and pretty, convenient and fast to to prep that up too so that's that's definitely good advice
2: yep and and uh ladies and gentlemen in the field working in service trucks you keep your your cooler with that ground beef in there for the day you stop by sheets or wawa or sunoco or whatever gas station you have in your area and you can just walk right in and use their microwave you don't even have to ask oh wow i didn't realize that yep always always did it especially if you have a company gas card like we have for wawa or sheets out here uh, in okay, Pennsylvania, you, you, they see our trucks getting gas there all day, every day, but I've never been stopped walking into a gas station and use the microwave.
0: Yeah. And in those, those gas stations too, I know we talked a lot about like gas stations and convenience. Uh, I always went at convenience stores. I always kind of think of like the traditional gas stations, but like the sheets and the wawas actually have a ton of like lower carb options and, and, you know, much better food options than, you know, the whatever the, the little torpedoes or whatever it is you get at like Seven Eleven, So, you know, if you have access to those gas stations for convenient foods too, like there's much better options there.
2: Absolutely. And they have, they do have a ton of stuff. I, I uh, steer away from the jerky now because I, I looked at the ingredients not too long ago and screwed myself all up with the maltodextrin and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, there, there are tons of stuff. There's tons of stuff you can get there if you're just, I mean, if you're one of these super clean eating people, or you're you're doing this as a lifestyle for for good, which I I'm definitely for and, and recommend, then you're probably not going to find much you want to eat there. But if you're yeah. just, if you're just starting out, and again, begging begging everybody who's listening to this to just say from, well, as this episode will air. We'll be probably getting pretty close to, uh, oof, trick-or-treating season. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I had it's a uh, great time to start. Oh, uh, <laughs> I had Halloween throw me off hardcore one year, man. I just, <laughs> once you start, <laughs> it's just game on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I beg everybody to, to say, I don't know what from, uh, from October 1st till you know October 30th. I'm just going to try this for 30 days, not try it. I'm going to mm-hmm. do it for 30 days take the tips you've learned here, check, check out some, you know, get, get Chris's audio books, um, get into some Facebook groups. There's a carnivore, I think it's just called carnivore diet Facebook groups with like 70, 70,000 people in it that I'm part of, which actually, mm-hmm. I think you're in there. Are you Chris?
0: Um, no, I don't, I don't do a ton of Facebook to be honest. So I, I don't usually get on that platform too yeah, much.
2: Yeah. Get in there, buddy. We need your help. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all bro there is also there. for, for, for some of the guys, um, there's a keto for men group, uh, that I, that is one group I'm a part of. Cause I know the guy who runs the group. Um, it's the guy that I met when I was living out in Austin and that, that's a pretty great group too. Where you know, maybe there's some bro science in there, but like, there's definitely some really good information and tips being passed around. And it's like, you know, one of those communities where because some of these keto Facebook groups and the carnivore ones, like you get these people who are elitist and they'll, they'll, you know, somebody posts a picture of their meal and they're critiquing it and stuff. And like, you know, people here are a lot more supportive in that group. So that, that would be one that I recommend. But, you know, I think the the group side of it is super important because, you know, depending on where you're at, like, you know, you might have a really hard time finding community in this diet, like finding other people that are eating this way and it it can, you know, make it feel a little bit more lonely and and hard to do. So if you, if you're not able to find face-to-face community, finding it in these Facebook groups can be super helpful.
2: Yeah. It's really great because I can be wanting to set myself back and jump on, jump on this group and give someone else advice or help somebody else. And you feel like, what am I doing? I got this. I'm good.
0: Right. Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, Chris, this has been super informative and we really appreciate your time today. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us and sharing all these details. Make sure that our listeners check you out on your social media platforms as well as the website that you listed earlier. Yeah, let's list it again. Uh, That is the Perfect Keto. What is it? Dot com? Dot com?
0: Yep, yep. So we have perfectketo.com is is the company that I work for and then my personal one is theketologist.com um, I would recommend, I didn't mention the perfect keto website before, but for people looking for recipes, we have a massive recipe database of like hundreds, hundred, probably even in the thousands of recipes now, um, on there. So if you're somebody who like, you know, is looking for some, both the, the convenient, quick, simple ingredient ones, or maybe the more, you know, uh, extravagant meals and stuff like that, we have a wide range of recipes. So that's a great resource.
2: And get on that newsletter because they will just randomly send you recipes and, uh, just cool products and stuff to check out. And it's it's motivating to open your email in the morning and get, get a little reminder that, hey, that, yeah. this is the way I'm eating today. So let's go. Right.
1: Great. Well, hey, Chris, we can't let you go without asking you a couple of fun questions at the end to wrap everything up, okay. if that's all right.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Well, we always like to know what our guests are reading or listening to.
0: Yeah. Um, so I actually... I just got done reading, uh, Michael Pollan's new book. Uh, this is your mind on plants. Um, so that one, it's a <laughs> book that talks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great it's, title. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It makes you kind of think he is a plant-based guy. So it makes you think it's about dieting, but it's actually about, uh, uh, caffeine, mescaline, and, um, opium. So it's just kind of talking oh. about like the historic <laughs> context of those. Yeah. It was just more of a kind of just an interesting read. He's an investigative journalist and I, I liked his reading. So I, I just finished that. Uh, and I'm starting the book Metabolical by uh, Dr. Robert Lustig, um, which he it's just kind of talking about the, you know, the healthcare industry and where everything's fallen short there and um, where we need to go with addressing, you know, underlying causes of diseases rather than treating symptoms. So uh, that's a really good book that I recommend.
1: Awesome. Good. Okay, uh, if you had to choose between shark diving, bungee jumping, or skydiving, what is your pick?
0: Oh, boy. Man. (laughs) Those are like three things that I would probably never do in my life. Um,
2: (laughs) I'm breaking it down. I I love sharks and I'm fascinated, but skydiving, you only have to worry about one thing hitting you, and that's the ground. True. Uh, I I think I'd probably
0: do skydiving. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that'd be the one I'm just, just, you know, it's one of those things. Like I always make the, the thing everybody says who's afraid of skydiving is why would you jump out of a perfectly good plane? Right. Um, yes. but it, I think, uh, yeah, the idea of being in sharks with, or being in the water with sharks that are, you know, animals that are not tamed, uh, that doesn't really sound good to me. So I think I'll probably go the skydiving route. They're trying to get you back. Like,
1: Oh, carnivore diet now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> big guy, big guy in the water. Okay. Oh, you
0: think you're one of us, huh? Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, if you could be on any game show, which one would you choose?
0: Oh, any game show? Hmm. Boy, that's a tough one. I don't know if it's I I don't know if it's a game show anymore. But uh, actually, no. I'm gonna change that. I would probably uh, go on the Ninja Warrior. That's that's what I'd want to be. Yeah, on. Yeah, man.
1: That's still one.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. I was going to say Deal or No Deal. I don't know if that's a show still, but I always liked that when oh, I was a yeah, kid. That was, so was, was, that the,
2: was that the Howie Mandel? Yeah, it was Howie. Yeah, yeah. It was a great show. Yeah, I don't think that's yeah anymore. That cool. Or or maybe they have a different uh, host. But, man, that was a that was a really fun show when it first came out. You had all those briefcases.
0: Yeah, I always thought that was exciting when I was a
1: kid. Well, just don't be the guy that like just falls into the water the very first step on the platform. <laughs> all right. That would be me. That's tough. Yeah, well, I
0: was, I was kind of, I was choosing that one under the notion that since I can pick the game show I'm going on, I can also pick the skill sets required to be good at it. So. <laughs>
2: I didn't read that in the footnotes, but I'm going to go with you on that. <laughs>
1: All right. What has been the hardest habit for you to break?
0: Ooh, hardest habit for me to break. I would say, um, hmm, man, that's a good one. I'd say probably the staying off of my phone at night uh, to, to get better quality sleep. It has been a tough one. Um, and, and it's, you know, tough in the sense that I, you know, with the, the job that I work, I'm very busy during the day. I'm not on my phone much. Nighttime is kind of the time where I can you know, respond to a lot of text messages and, uh, you know, just kind of get back to everybody. But, you know, we know being on a phone really close to bed can really screw up your sleep. Um, so I've tried to limit that, but it's it's definitely been a challenge. So I, that's probably the biggest habit to break.
1: I hear you. All right. Last one for you, Chris. Uh, what is your food kryptonite?
0: My food kryptonite. So that would be the, the food that, oh, so. The food
1: that is going to most likely break your diet program. Let's
0: see. That's a good one too. Most likely to break, well. does it have to be a food? Because I'm kind of thinking it might be whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) so I do, I do like the, you know, a good old fashioned, uh, when I go out to dinner somewhere, that's, you know, that's something I I enjoy having a a nice old fashioned, but for food, um, I would probably say it's, it's like a, like a waffles or a pancake or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like I really like carby breakfast food. Like I don't really have much of a craving for, you know, pizza and stuff like that anymore like I did you know maybe when I first started um, but now it's like if I'm out at a rest if I go out for like brunch or something and I see like you know a cinnamon roll or like a, like waffles or something like that it's you know sometimes it's hard to to make the option to go with the omelet instead so
2: is, is whiskey doesn't have any carbs in it does it
0: no whiskey by itself um, no you're, you're good on that and that's you know if, I, uh, if it, I'm i drinking Nate, pull
2: that out of my trash can will you
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the old fashions is where you're getting a ton of the sugar but yeah if you're just going whiskey straight or whiskey on the rocks which you know my wife actually did just get me a uh one of those uh smokers the whiskey smokers um so i've been uh she got me one of those for my birthday so i've been enjoying those every once in a while but try to keep that limited for sure oh yeah because
2: you or me i have a little too much bourbon i'm i'm reaching for the pantry (laughs)
0: yeah i'm with you on get back it. <laughs> in ketosis tomorrow yep <laughs> exactly
1: all right chris Irvin, the ketologist it has been great to have you on the show today thank you so much for your time we really appreciate what you're doing make sure you check him out and we really appreciate you being on with us today chris
0: thanks a lot chris yeah yeah thanks for having me on guys it was a blast
1: Hey, hope you really enjoyed this podcast. It was really good connecting with Chris. Remember, this is just part one of a series that we're doing on health matters. We really hope that you'll be enjoying not only uh, taking a look at what your dieting program is and eating better, but also moving better. And we're going to be taking some looks at uh, getting exercise programs and those types of things right in your life to make yourself healthier, to make yourself feel better. And like Chris was talking about in some of this podcast, the way that you eat, the way that you move your body... And how all that affects your mind, your attitude, and how you relate to people will definitely have an impact, especially since you are in the customer service industry. And so that's definitely something to keep in mind. And we really look forward to hearing the rest of the series here. Hope you are too. If you have any comments or suggestions, leave us some feedback in the comments field of the podcast or hit us up on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And we want to challenge you not only in eating healthier and living healthier, but in choosing to wake up every single day and waste no day.